Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you hear this message from Pastor Josh Thompson. What I wrote down for my first line of my message today is that I'm here this morning and I know there's more. (laughs) How many know there's more? (laughs) There's just more. Uh, Man, I got to tell you, we had such a powerful time this past Wednesday night with Pastor Rosanna from Brazil. She's right here. Pastor Rosanna. Would you stand up, Pastor Rosanna? Give this lady a hand. Pastor Rosanna, she's one of the pastors at a church there in Rio. And uh, I was trying to tell my kids that. Where's Rio? That's like the movie, Rio, right? The cartoon. Uh, Yeah, and uh, just such a powerful time. I don't know that I've ever seen the power of God like flowing in mass like I did Wednesday night. There was such a power uh, in this room and upon our church. It was just incredible. And uh, I tell you, last night uh, I was invited over to Lou's house and uh, with some beautiful, some other people from Brazil and uh, Pastor Rafael Conrado and his, stand up, Pastor Rafael. Let's give him a hand as well. And his family and the whole team. Come on, his wife. Yeah, they're amazing. They, they've been a part of a, just a lot. God has actually called them to America from Brazil to be missionaries to us. You think it's funny? We need it. We need it. We need it. It's, it's so powerful. The Brazilians are taking over. <laughs> and I love it. There's something happening there with that. And uh, I actually think I'm going to have him pray for us at the end of the service. But uh, I want to jump into what I feel like the Lord has given me today. And, and it really is this. I, I, I'm standing here with such a burning passion in my heart for our church. I, I just have such a burning desire for more of Jesus. Such a burning passion in my heart for, for you for for our city for your relationships and your families and your marriages and and I just I know there's more I've just sensed all week just an increased awareness of the intense desire that Jesus has for our church and the intense desire that he has for our city and this place his desire is so for us pastor Gary always said the pent up desire i believe it's not just a pent up desire it's actually a desire being released here and now and um there is a greater release i believe of the holy spirit for now than we have seen to this point i believe that there's a greater demonstration of the kingdom of god that is for us now not far off but actually for now where god invades our places of our lives and makes wrong things right and actually breaks in in power where we're in such communion with the holy spirit that he's literally flowing through us all the time how many want more of that I do. I do. I don't know what else to say, except I'm just, I'm hungry for more because there is more. And I, I, you know, I've been in the gospels and in the book of Acts over these last months and I just can't leave them. And as I look through the gospels and look at Jesus and what he did in the gospels, and then I see what Jesus actually called us to do, what he called the disciples to do from the gospels. And then I see them doing it in the book of Acts how they walked in the supernatural, how they walked in the manifest power and presence of God and walked in the gifts of the Spirit. And I compare it to what I'm seeing in my own life. 
and I compare it to what I maybe am seeing even in general in the church, it leaves me with one thing. I know there's more. I'm so thankful for everything that's been. I have seen the power of God work. I have, I have seen the Lord do so much. But my heart is stirred for us, church, that there is more of him for us to have. There is more. And what I'm hungry for and what I'm seeking for, and I believe what we are seeking for as a church, is something that is profoundly scriptural. That it's profoundly modeled in the life of Jesus and it's profoundly modeled in the New Testament church. And it's carried out through generations of followers of Jesus Christ through the centuries before us. You know, the Great Commission indicates that when believers, when we become believers and the followers of Jesus, that we're supposed to be taught to do what Jesus taught the disciples to do. That we, I want to say that again. The Great Commission indicates that when we become believers and followers of Jesus, that we are supposed to be taught to do what Jesus taught the disciples to do. Jesus gives the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And I love how the message kind of sums it up there. He says, Jesus says, hey, go out and train everyone you meet. Far and near. In this way of life. In this way of life. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And here it is. Instruct them in the practice. Can we say practice? Practice. Instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. I love this. It wasn't just knowledge, right? It wasn't just understanding. It was practice. I want you to show them and instruct them to practice this way of life of following Jesus. It wasn't just theology. It was actually doing something. It was releasing something. It wasn't just sit and have a Bible study, which we should have Bible studies. (laughs) Don't, Don't get mean at me. Some of you looking kind of mean. Don't look. I'm just kidding. Smile at me. It helps me. (laughs) We're not just supposed to have Bible studies. That's not what this was just about only. It was about going and doing what Jesus did. And I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate. I'm passionate about not just just doing services or or giving the church information, but I'm not looking for us to just train the church so that we can just know something. I'm passionate. I want us to be equipping the church not only so that we know something, but so we can release something. And that is what even these equip nights that are coming up for, they're not just another, another thing, another program. They are to equip the church to release the kingdom. We want to see you releasing the kingdom and equipped to do that. And that is the heart of these nights. I'm passionate about this. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. I think we should read that scripture every single day of our lives. It's a scripture that opens up vision for us. It opens up the heart of God of what can be. Whoever believes in me, how many believers do we have in the room? Whoever believes in me is going to do the works that I do and greater works than these. 
What if the church really believed it? What if we were equipped to believe it and then we did it? In Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the 12 and he says this in verse 7 of Matthew 10. He says, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. How many have cast out a demon recently? (laughs) The Brazilians have maybe. (laughs) This is the... This is the commissioning of the 12. This is the pattern for the 12 and then the 72. I read something the other day and it said this. This is just the pre-sermon, by the way. It says this, this quote. It says, contemporary missionaries have communicated their inability to win Muslims to the Lord using reason, arguments, and persuasion alone. It was... It was through the Muslims seeing miracles, seeing signs, wonders, healings, deliverances, dreams, and visions of Jesus. It was the supernatural that caused them to believe in the gospel, in Jesus Christ, and then in the scriptures. Church, whether we're aware of it or not, we're in real need of the Holy Spirit's power. We are in real need of the power of the Spirit on our lives today. The early church rested completely on the manifestation of the power of God. They rested completely on it. And I want to suggest to you today that we don't need a new strategy and we don't need a new program. What we need is the church full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit, alive and living in relationship with the Holy Spirit and releasing and living what Jesus said that we could live in and release. I believe this for us. I believe this for me. I'm not preaching anything that I'm not saying I want more. I see a discrepancy from what I'm reading to what I'm practicing in my life. And I say, I want more. I want more. Believe today the Holy Spirit wants to awaken us today to more. I believe literally an impartation from him is going to impart to us, open up our spirits for more, and it's going to change the way you do this week. I believe it. He's not waiting for us just to say the right magical prayer to be prayed. I believe he's looking for a people just like you and me who would just have a simple yes in them, who just literally say, yes, I want to listen Yes, I want to obey. And yes, I want to do what you tell me to do. Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, blessed are those who recognize their need. Who recognize their need. We could say like this, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who recognize that they need it. The kingdom of heaven is for those who recognize their need of Jesus and his kingdom. And the early church from the beginning recognized their need. They recognized how much they needed the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit turned scared, wimpy mess-ups into powerhouses for the kingdom of God to change the world. It happened. The book of Acts is full of those stories. There's literally supernatural, if you look through the book of Acts, there's like literally supernatural stories like in every, every chapter. And I want to suggest to you today, church, that for us, there is supernatural activity available for every chapter of our lives. In every situation, in every circumstance. Acts chapter 4, 
We've touched on this in the last couple of months, but the church was under just mounting persecution. They were, they were being terrorized in a lot of ways, thrown in jail. You see this throughout, throughout Acts. And their response to this persecution was to go to prayer. Their response to persecution was to go to prayer. And they asked for more. And guess what? The Holy Spirit poured out more. And I was reading this again. It's one of my favorite little pictures in the, in the Bible. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And they've been in this place of persecution and they come together because they, they need to get, figure out what their next steps are. And they come and they pray and they seek the Lord and they worship. And it, it says, this is what happened. Their prayer was this, Acts 4, 29. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It says, and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And I think as we look to this church, this early church, what, what strikes me is maybe we shouldn't freak out about everything. Maybe we should go to prayer. Like the kind of persecution that, that we see in the book of Acts is unlike anything we're experiencing. And we get freaked out when, when political things happen that make us feel like we're being persecuted. And we complain about it and post on Facebook or read more news. Oh my gosh, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> what if we went to prayer, church? What if we just went to prayer? What if we went to prayer like they did? Pray and expect the supernatural activity of God to break in on situations and believe. Acts chapter 5, the apostles, they were arrested and they were thrown in jail. And in verse 19, it says, During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, Hey, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and they began to teach. They were told not to preach. Now, I don't know about you, but... Like the sensible thing would be if I got broke out of prison from an angel for preaching, then I go and hide somewhere so it doesn't happen again. No, no. He says they, they went and preached. They went and declared the gospel. They were, they were told not to continue to preach. And this was their response. We must obey God rather than men. And the religious leaders, it says there in verse 33, were enraged and they wanted to kill him. I said this last week, the prerequisite to a miracle is a problem. The problem, persecution, being thrown in prison, the miracle, the angel breaking you out. And we see it all through scripture. The early church, hearing the voice of God and then walking in obedience and supernatural provision following the obedience. Supernatural provision doesn't mean it won't be hard. I just want to say that again. Supernatural provision doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be persecuted. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have trials. It might be hard, but it will be good. Turn to somebody right now. Tell them it might be hard, but it will be good. Some of you are resisting me on this. (laughs) It might be hard, but it will be good. It will be good. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 1. We're going to spend most of our time in Acts 8 and Acts 9. And it's the same climate here in Acts 8. It says, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, was ravaging the church. He'd literally enter house after house and drag believers off. He'd literally go in and drag men and women off that were believers, and he'd go throw them in jail. This was the environment that the church was in. So the church was being scattered by the persecution, but they still went about preaching the word with signs and wonders. And in Acts chapter 8, there was this guy named Philip. Everybody say Philip. Philip. He was one of the seven deacons that was appointed in chapter six. And Stephen had just been stoned to death. So he, along with most of the believers, had to leave Jerusalem quickly because of the persecution. And in Acts eight, we don't find him hiding out somewhere. We actually find him rather preaching the gospel in Samaria. And in Acts eight, verse six, it says the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So what strikes me and stands out to me as I read that is that the crowds paid attention I believe when you are under the power of the Holy Spirit, crowds will pay attention. When the anointing of God is on your life, people will pay attention. Some may not, but some will. And what happened is they heard and they saw. There was preaching, but there was demonstration. There was wild stuff. There was deliverance. There's like screaming and shrieks, healing, messy stuff. Messy stuff. It was the normal Jesus follower stuff that he was doing. How many want to like see some messy stuff happen? (laughs) I mean, everywhere Jesus went, messy stuff was happening, right? I mean, it just, it just was. I, I don't think we're supposed to be super tidy. To be totally honest with you, like, I don't believe God's called us to be tidy. I think he's called us to be in the messes. I mean, I like a clean house, but, you know, when it comes to this stuff, really, when you're walking with Jesus, it isn't tidy. It's quite messy. It's quite messy. A few verses later, it says, verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. Does that sound familiar from last week? If you were here last week, we talked about Elijah, 1 Kings 17. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, right? Spoke to him, said, depart from here, turn eastward, go down to this ravine, this brook, and the ravens are going to feed you. And his response, it was he went and he did. And now we have another guy, it's Philip. Angel of the Lord comes, tells him, rise and go. Tells him what road to take. Says, hey, it's going to be a desert place. And his response, he rose and he went. There was a quick obedience. A quick obedience. Verse 27, it says this. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, 
who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and, and was returning seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. I don't know how long he ran, but I kind of imagine him like running for a long time, like just next. Okay. You don't think that's funny. It was really funny in my mind. I don't know. He's like running guys. I got to tell you, Philip, he was just an ordinary deacon. He was an ordinary deacon, an ordinary guy. He wasn't some superstar Christian from a platform. He was just a believer that was available to hear the word of the Lord, to listen and was ready to obey so much so that when he heard the spirit speak to him, he ran in obedience. I believe the Lord is looking for those who are available and ready to run in obedience. I believe he's looking for a church. I think Hope Church is a church that we are going to hear his voice and we're going to respond and walk and run in obedience. So Philip runs to him and he heard him reading reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? Verse 31, and he said, how can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up. Philip was glad because he was tired of running. <clears throat> now you see it. Yeah. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Here it is. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Of course, we're talking about Jesus. And like a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Verse 34. And the eunuch says to Philip, about whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about somebody else? And then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Come on. Verse 36, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. (laughs) See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Is this not such a wild story? I mean, this is amazing. Guys, the gospel isn't just for a certain group of people. The gospel is the good news for everybody. Redemption for the whole world. And this guy, this Ethiopian, he is celebrating because he just became the first evangelist to Africa. He potentially just became the first believer of his own native country. And I think we should think about this too, that the Holy Spirit chose a black man from Africa to be the first non-Jew to come to faith. He didn't choose an American. I mean, for obvious reasons, but (laughs) think about it. Think about this. I just thinking about this, just this ordinary guy, Philip, this like deacon who obviously had outgrown his administrative jobs 
And he starts like operating in, in, in the prophetic and hearing the voice of the Lord. This ordinary guy who heard the voice of the Lord and responds in obedience. And because of his obedience, Africa heard the gospel. Think about that. Not only that, he, when he comes out of the water, the spirit of God suddenly takes Philip in what apparently is a trans, translating him to a different town and drops him off. And no, he just kind of doesn't skip a beat. He just keeps preaching the gospel. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's supernatural, guys. It's the miraculous. It's the power of the Holy Spirit on an ordinary person doing extraordinary things with God. And I, I just say this to you today. I'm not suggesting that we start asking the Holy Spirit to translate us places, although I don't think we're forbidden from it. Um, but what I am saying is that we should be expecting the miraculous. Like we should be expecting things to happen that we've never seen happen. Like when you get in a routine of life and it becomes routine, 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 all of a sudden you can't see how amazing things are around you anymore, right? Like that car you loved when you first bought it and then like six months later it's like, oh, that old thing. I feel like in the Lord there are so many things available but we become so routine in our life that we don't see that he's wanting to break through with the miraculous in the ordinary every day. I believe that what I'm what I what we're what we're seeing here is is a picture of the early church expecting the miraculous. And there's more. Expecting the Lord to speak to us. I believe we should be expecting him to give us assignments. I believe that, that he's going to give us assignments, even, even starting today, and send us to the most unlikely people in the un, most unlikely places, in the most unlikely situations. And we should be expecting a demonstration of the power of God in us and through us. It's exactly what Jesus said would happen. What's happening with Philip? He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit upon Philip released him to be a witness. And it's the same for us. The Holy Spirit upon us, the encounter with the Holy Spirit upon our lives causes a a momentum in God to release the witness of Jesus Christ. So the very next verse of the very next chapter, Acts chapter 9, we're going to spend the next few minutes that we have, our remaining few minutes. And here in this passage, right after this happens, and and he comes up out of the water and and God replants Philip. In Acts chapter 9, it says, Saul, who later became the apostle Paul, he hated the church and he was breathing threats and murder against the followers of Jesus. And he's headed to Damascus, okay? He goes to the chief priest and basically gets an arrest warrant so that whenever he sees anybody that's a believer, he can arrest them and take them back and throw them in prison back in Jerusalem, okay? So that's what this picture... Are you, are you with me today? Guys, this is so good. We're going to go out with a bang here. Are you ready? Okay, stay with me. There's a lot of scripture, but it's a story. So stories are interesting, right? So, so tune your mind in. Here we go. Verse three it says, now as, as Paul or Saul, now as Saul went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Falling to the ground, <laughs> he hears a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. 
But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you're about to do. The men who were traveling with with Saul stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Verse 8, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. He was blind. He was blinded by the light. So they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. What? I can't read. He was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Drank, that's it. Verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Everybody say Ananias. Ananias. The Lord said to Ananias in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he's praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias, that's your name, come in, lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I'll show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. I think that's a great way to approach anyone that you're afraid of. Brother sister. (laughs) I love it. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine how afraid he was? The Lord Jesus appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, verse 18, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose, was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Ha! What a story. Guys, there's so much that that I could could go with here today. There's so much that could be developed in this. But here's what I want to highlight. Paul was not going to be talked into following Jesus. Paul was was not going to be argued into following Jesus. It was going to take supernatural encounter. It was going to take a supernatural knock you off your feet to the ground kind of Jesus encounter to get a hold of Paul's life. He wasn't going to come to Jesus through some Christian argument. And I want to suggest to you that there's a lot of people not going to come to Jesus through arguing. They're going to come through a demonstration of power. He wasn't going to be debated into following Jesus. He, he was way too filled with religious rage. It was going to take the miraculous. It was going to take a supernatural power of God encounter. It was going to take an actual blinding by the light in order for him to see. And it was also going to take something else. It was going to take the obedience of a guy named Ananias. Ananias, the normal guy, the deacon, has a vision which is perfectly in line what was supposed to be happening because in the opening chapters of Acts, it's the prophecy of Joel, right? 
in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So he had a vision. I heard somebody the other day say, I had a vision. And, I, and my first thought was like, that's unusual. And then I felt like as I was reading this again, no, that should be usual. We should be having visions. We should be having dreams. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. We should be walking in the prophetic. That's what the early church did. And that is what is available to us in this day as well. So the obedience of Ananias. Young men will see visions. So Jesus calls his name Ananias. His response here, I am Lord. And the word of the Lord comes and he says, rise and go. Again, it sounds familiar, right? Elijah, Philip, now Ananias. And he doesn't just say, okay, here I go. He actually protests a bit. Have you ever protested the Lord? It's like two honest people in here. Rest of your liars. He's afraid. He's afraid. And rightfully so. This guy, I just can imagine like being Ananias, like this guy you're sending me to, he, he's like a Christian terrorist. He's terrorizing people. He wants to kill them. And you want me to go pray for him? I just want to just say this to you, church. Don't ever let anyone tell you that following Jesus is dangerous. Don't ever let people tell you that following Jesus isn't scary. It's scary. I'm scared right now. No, for real. I'm scared most days. Like the good kind of scared. Do you know what I mean? Like this, this, this role that I stepped into, I'm like, I need you, Holy Spirit, and you're having me do things that I can't do. So I'm scared. But it's a good scared. It's a good thing. And in our lives in the, in the Lord and following Jesus, we're not meant to be safe. If your life is safe and boring, you got to get a better picture of Jesus. He wants us to be doing some things that freak us out. Freak us out. Should scare you. Ananias is afraid, but Jesus says, go. He's like, I even have plans for Saul. So Ananias obeys. And he goes and he lands, lays his hands on Saul. And what happens is these scales fall off his eyes and this terrorist gets baptized and God turns this man from a murderer of Jesus followers into a lover of Jesus and a lover of his followers. That's the power of the resurrection. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise for that. That's the power of the resurrection. And it's the power of obedience. You know, Ananias isn't even mentioned again in scripture. We don't know how he became a follower of Jesus. We don't know why Jesus chose to use him above anyone else. We don't know why he was selected. We don't know anything about him except what we just read. But what we do know is that his obedience was enough. His obedience was enough. Think about it. This this kind of obscure, no-named person named Ananias has a vision, hears from the Lord, obeys, and because of it, soon the soon-to-be apostle Paul can see, is full of the Spirit, gets baptized, and will become one of the most influential Christians of all time. Think about that. 
most influential Christian of all time, you never know how far-reaching your obedience will go. I want to say that again to you today. You never know how far-reaching your obedience will go. You never know what that little decision to follow Jesus and do what he says will release on the earth. You never know. You never know how far your yes and your availability will reach. You never know everything about everything. You just know something that he told you. Ananias had no clue. He just had to go. You're going to go pray for this guy. That's all he knew. He didn't know what Saul was going to become Paul and he was going to change the world and that every believer for centuries would be reading his writings. Ananias just had that little yes in him. And he said, I want to follow you, Jesus, even if I have to do it afraid. And that little yes changed the world. Here's what I want to tell you today. Whatever he's telling you, it's always enough. Whatever he tells you to do is always enough. When God leads you, he provides for you. Wherever he's leading you, God always empowers what he commands. I want to say it again. I feel like we need to waken up to this. He always empowers what he commands. When his word goes forth, it carries the power to accomplish the word. It carries the power to accomplish the word. And it carries with it the resources of heaven. And when we obey to what he says, the kingdom comes. Would you stand with